0: Amen. Well, I am excited this morning to uh, to declare to you uh, the resurrection of Jesus on this Resurrection Sunday. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, we're on our fourth message in a series called I Am. And uh, if you're just joining us today for the first time, we're looking at the Gospel of John in the Bible. And John brilliantly put together um, <clears throat> uh, his gospel with a very clear intention. And that intention is he wants you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's his, his goal. Um, and John, in doing that, for us. He, he selects out for us Seven miracles, John calls them signs, seven miracles, of all the miracles that Jesus did, seven of them, um, that he believes shows most clearly who Jesus is. And he also records Jesus making claims using the divine name, Yahweh. The name that God gave to Moses when Moses said, who shall I tell the Israelites is sending me? And God said, Yahweh, I am. Tell them I am is sending you. And John records a number of times, but seven of the times that he uses this phrase coming out of Jesus' mouth. Um, there, there are seven claims of different aspects of Jesus' divinity, that Jesus is God. And so we've already looked at Jesus saying, I am the true vine, at Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, and at Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And today, we're going to look at Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And so, as I said, John's goal, he says his goal. At the end of his gospel, near the end of his gospel, he make, he, there's, no, there's no hiding it. There's no bones about it. This is exactly what John wants as you read his gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you may have life in His name. So that's our heart today as well. We, uh, as we have the last couple of weeks, we're going to read a big chunk of, of the gospel um, in uh, John chapter 11. So if you have Bibles or Bible apps... Uh, turn there, if not, just follow along. You guys are good listeners, right? <laughs> yeah, always a heckler. All right, so John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. So he was, he was actually their brother as well. So this, this Mary, verse two, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. John's giving us a little, a little. Uh, Spoiler, because that doesn't happen till the next chapter, but uh, but he says that this is that Mary, right? So the sisters <clears throat> sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love, your dear friend Lazarus, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That sentence doesn't even make sense, does it? (laughs) He gets word that they're sick. It says he loved the family, he loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and so he stayed two more days where he was. He didn't jump on his turbocharged camel and get there as fast as he could. He stayed two more days. Hmm. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, and Judea is where Martha and Mary and Lazarus are. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there, the Jewish leaders there, tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light." It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. I think what Jesus was saying there is, my path is clearly lit for me. I know what the Father wants me to do. And I have to do what he calls me to do, even if it looks scary. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so you may believe. Hear that? Right? Um... This is, this is John, John plucks out those words because this is, this is John's goal. It's Jesus' goal that we may believe, that we may see him as he is. See that this is no ordinary man and what he does are no ordinary parlor tricks, but this is the son of God doing God things. And if you see him at work, you will believe. Jesus says, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let's go, that we may die with him. Thomas, always encouraging, eh? In his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles, or about three kilo- just over three kilometers, From Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So they're respected, they are known, they are loved by people in the region. They're connected. Right? When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, when Martha heard, so he's coming towards the town, he doesn't even get into town yet. She heard that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I'm going to read that again. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now, that sounds, the last phrase there sounds like she's full of faith, but if you buy a plane ticket to fly to Malibu, where you're going to spend the rest of your life in sun and luxury. But the ticket has a, has a four-hour layover in Chicago, right? Now, when you tell your friends and your relatives all about the exciting news, you know, all that's going to happen, do you say, I'm going to Chicago? No. You, you probably don't even mention it, but if you do, it's in passing, because what you have in mind and a resurrected body in a resurrected world in a in a whole whole renewed universe the bible says God, jesus is going to renew all things corruption and decay and death will be gone forever and we will live eternally here on earth Heaven, we're not going to heaven. Heaven is coming here. Heaven is coming here. That's what the Bible says. I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and God's dwelling place would be with man. That's what the Bible says. And it's super exciting because you know what? We're going to have a body like Jesus' body. Yeah. We won't go down that road. There's too many cool things that, that will distract me from what I'm supposed to say, talk about today. So, so Martha, Martha had her theology right. Lord, you're going to raise him up at the last day. She had her theology right. But we can have perfect theology and still miss the point. The subject of her theology was right there in front of her. Jesus said to her, what did he say? What was his response? When she said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We'll we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, But the very power... The very power that would accomplish, the very one that would accomplish the resurrection at the last day that she's waiting for and believing in is standing right there. And if he has the power to do that, he has the power to do something about this. Right? So Mary, Mary comes. Verse So so Martha says, yes, Lord, laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? I'm going to hit pause button again. We'll come back to the story in a moment. Jesus wept. Some of you would know that's the shortest verse in the Bible. And yet a verse packed with importance. Jesus wept. He wasn't weeping because he missed Lazarus. Jesus knew what he was about to do in just a few moments. He was going to see Lazarus again. He wasn't weeping because he missed Lazarus. But he's weeping that he could, because he could see that even though he knew that he knew that his plan was the very best thing that could happen for his friends to come to truly believe and know who he was. And it would change their lives he felt their pain as his plan was being worked out. Even though God always knows what is best for you, he is aware that sometimes the plan happens with suffering and loss and agony. But know that God suffers with you. He weeps with you. And He is with you in the pain. And He is going to bring you through it because He has a plan. He knows what He is doing. Jesus Wept. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, For he has been there four days. Where the King James Version says, By this time he stinketh. Right? There's a bad odor. He's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take the grave clothes off and let him go. Right? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Lazarus comes out looking like a mummy, but he's alive. He's alive and and we read later in the gospel he's he's throwing a party and having dinner with Jesus and other friends and at moments of death and loss our minds often turn to our mortality don't they to to the purpose of our lives if you're listening to me today, either here in the room or or online, and uh, and you're not sure about this God thing, and and it's okay if that's where you're at. We're all on a journey, right? It's okay if that's where you're at right now. I just I just pray that you don't stay there. But if if you're a secular materialist, that means you believe that this material world that that we can see and taste and touch and smell, you know, with our senses, that we can sense with our senses and measure with scientific instruments is all that matters and all that exists. And that it's foolish to think about a spiritual component to our existence or to think about an afterlife. But at moments of loss, One is left wondering, what is the point of this life? And I think this is a question that we all must grapple with. Those of us who are people of faith, but not just people of faith, not just mystics and philosophers, I think we all have to grapple grapple with this question. What is the point of this life? And why does my life matter? And when we ask this question, what is the point of this life? I believe Jesus answers saying, I am. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the point, and he is the end of our existence. And it's all tied to his own resurrection. It's all tied to his own resurrection. The Bible declares, and we believe, in the literal physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He was not just resuscitated. But he was raised as something more than he had been. His resurrection was not a vision or a hallucination. He wasn't some kind of ghost. But he was in a physical body, but a body that was far more than, than, than what you and I are right now. You might say, well, that, that just doesn't make sense. People... People just aren't raised from the dead that way. And I would totally agree with you. They aren't. Why do you think we're talking about this 2,000 years later? It just doesn't happen. Unless it does. The resurrection of Jesus was a unique event in history. And the reason that we're still talking about it today is that, is that um, because it is so unique. And either, either it was a hoax or it changes everything we know about reality. Those are your options. Either it was a hoax or it changes everything everything. John in his gospel and we as followers of Jesus today say that it is real and we're willing to stake everything on that one event. If Christ is not raised, Christianity has nothing to say and nothing to offer. That's a bold statement. But I will say today that if Christ is not raised, if he was not raised, if he is not alive today, I've got nothing to say to you that will help you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 14 says, tells us that, that, that all of Christianity is, is is built on this one thing. But if Christ is preached, Paul writes, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Might as well pack up and go home. If Christ has been raised, then he is God, he is the I am, and the implications of this are far-reaching. That last bit is my words, not John's. <clears throat> if Christ has indeed been raised, then he is God, and he is the I am, and the implications are far-reaching. Paul goes on to write, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man for as in adam all die so in christ all will be made alive christ that says christ is the first fruits Here's the deal folks. God's plan. I'm going to touch down really quickly because the resurrection of Christ is so vital. I'm going to touch down really quickly on s- on a few quick um, just historical evidences. this is one of the most the most backed up historical, Facts in the ancient world. You ready? You ready to fly through some quick evidences for the resurrection of Jesus? First of all, the empty grave. I, I mean, I've been to Israel. I've been to the two places that are that are that are believed to be. You know, the, some some groups say it's the the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre. And other people say it's the garden tomb. Both of them are empty. There's no body there, right? The the empty tomb was something that even the religious leaders of the day had to grapple with. Jesus' body wasn't in there. They didn't have an explanation for it, but it wasn't there. The empty tomb. Secondly, four eyewitness accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John. Most of the most of the things you were taught in history class about the ancient world are based on little little bits of, of fragments of manuscripts that they found somewhere that said something about something. We have four complete eyewitness accounts of the risen Jesus in this book. The most the most uh, documented event in history. Um, hundreds of witnesses. Paul, Paul writes in First Corinthians 15, and he talks about, you know, he, he, he came to see the, 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 the 12 disciples, and he came to see me, and he came to see his brother James, and after that, over 500 uh, people saw him at the same time. And Paul was writing this when those people were still alive and somebody could go and check whether he was telling the truth or not, right? Hundreds of witnesses and 11 appearances after his death. His disciples touched him and he ate fish. So he wasn't a ghost, he wasn't a vision, he wasn't being imagined, he was there physically. He had a Roman guard put on his tomb. Now, we know something about Roman guards. There would have been eight soldiers guarding in pairs on watches of three hours, 24 hours around the clock. So there was no chance that they just dozed off and the disciples snuck by them and took the body out. Right? These are professional soldiers that were guarding the tomb and when Jesus rose, the scripture says they fell like dead men. They, were, they weren't dead, but they, they, they were uh, all, all eight of them flattened out because the Lord of glory had come out of his tomb. Um, nobody presented a body, no, one, no body was presented by his enemies. So if the disciples couldn't have taken him, then, well, maybe, maybe his enemies took him so that nobody would believe in him. But all the enemies would have to do is produce a body and say, no, he's right here. He didn't rise from the dead. Um, belief in his resurrection by followers. Clearly, from the very beginning of the Christian movement, every person in that movement believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. In spite of incredible social and political pressure and persecution, they still declared he was alive. And lastly, um, all, all 11 disciples, all 11 apostles, other than John, died gruesome deaths, all claiming that Jesus was alive. And all they needed to do to not die gruesome deaths is to say, oops, just kidding. And they didn't because they knew it was true. And John, they tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil, tried to deep fry him, And he said, no, he's alive. And I wrote a book about it. Go read it. Right? So this shows us today, just, um, oops, that's last week's. Um, resurrection shows us, I think, three things in closing today. Shows us that Jesus is God. Yes, he's a man, but he's also God. How can I say that? Paul writes in Romans 1, verse 2, talking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and he speaks of the gospel regarding God's Son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead. So, John, so Paul is saying it was Jesus' resurrection that sealed it. This is God. Right? Um, shows that, that death, Jesus' resurrection shows us that death is defeated. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, Uh, Starting in verse 51, listen, I tell you a mystery, it says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In other words, we won't all die, those who are still living when Jesus returns, won't die, they'll be, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed." For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, Paul says, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're headed. That's what's coming for those who trust in the risen Christ. And lastly, it shows that Jesus can give eternal life. And that's not just something that we wait for someday, but it actually starts now. Actually starts now. Colossians 2.12 says that we, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Right? In our Baptism, we identify with Jesus' death, and we are raised to eternal life that starts now and never ends. Amen? And so I declare to you today the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. Jesus died. He was buried. His death showed that he was human. His resurrection showed that he is also God. Amen. And he, uh, he has life for you today if you trust in him. If you believe in him. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray with you. If you're here in this room today, and you're just you've been on the fence, you've just not been sure about this Jesus thing. I want to say it again. It's okay. You're welcome here. I'm glad you're here. And it's okay to be on a journey. But I want to declare to you today what Scripture says. It's up to you whether you believe Scripture, whether you trust Jesus. It's a step of faith. It is. But I want to declare to you that the Bible says Jesus was raised from the dead. And I want to, and I want to say to you, I'm willing... And the Bible is even willing to stake everything on that one truth. So I urge you to not just dismiss it without examining it. Because if it's not true, it's, it's not worth your time. But if it is true, it's worth everything. So whether you're here in this room or online watching today, I want to pray with you that God would show himself to you because he does that. So Father, I thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to show us how good you are, to show us how much you love us. But not just that, to actually bear our sin on the cross so that we could be forgiven and healed and set free. We give you thanks today. And I pray for every person that's hearing this message today, it's maybe still wondering and maybe still on the fence. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to just even give you a try. Open their hearts to you. And God, I pray that you would show yourself to them. Reveal yourself. Show them who you are. That they might taste of the life that can be ours today and forever. God, today we thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for all that it means. And thank you the hope we have because Jesus was raised. We too shall be raised. And we give you thanks in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.